Hello, this is Matt Hale with Art Monthly on Resonance Radio 104.4 FM, and I'm joined today by Colin Perry, who's a writer and critic in Art Monthly, and uh, a new person to the programme, Gavin Grindon, who's a research fellow at Kingston, has written a feature in the uh, current issue. Um, just before I go any further, though, I'd just like to quickly say to you all that Resonance listeners can get a 30% discount on the magazine subscription for Art Monthly, um, and if you want to do that, just email subs at artmonthly.co.uk and mention Resonance and you'll automatically receive that. OK, um, now the two features are both interconnected in some ways. Um, one's by Colin called um, Art v. the Law, which is basically um, a discussion of how art, which uses the law as a, as a medium in some ways. And then uh, we have um, Gavin's feature, which is Art and Activism, which is sort of a parallel piece in a way where artists actually go out on the street and actively do things which are, you could call them protests really, but they might also be called art. So we're going to sort of discuss those differences uh, or, and similarities. And we'll start with Colin. Um, Col, can you just give us some intro into what your piece was about? Because it's quite a complicated piece. Yeah, it's about artists who use the law as a medium. Um, and what I mean by that is sort of the medium in a traditional sense of painting or or clay or something like that. So it's something that can be manipulated. Um, obviously, it's a particularly uh, specific medium and you can't really push the metaphor too far because sure. you can't mould the law infinitely in that way. But it's something that people are engaged with. Um, and I think it's something that many artists are, are more and more engaged with at the moment. Um, it also connects with Gavin's article about activism. Um, I think that activists have treated the law as something that's to be changed and something pliable, and you could say that's sort of like a medium for to be, it. To be tested, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's... In, in some ways, that could be called a medium, um, and that's something that activists have always done, really, because the idea of activism is to, to change the situation. Yes. Um, whereas I'm sp speaking also about very specific sort of techniques that artists use to engage with the law. Um, for instance, I speak about um, an artist called Christina Norman, who did a piece that was shown at the Venice Biennale last year, um, and it was to do with um, this Soviet-era bronze soldier monument that was installed in Tallinn, um, and it was the cause of a major ethnic conflict in yeah. Tallinn um, because it was a symbol of Soviet oppression. The Soviets had withdrawn. Um, Estonians felt it was something they didn't want in their city. They'd but been left behind by the yeah, Russians, as it were. Yeah, so, you know, this this general kind of problematic of Soviet monuments, they felt like they wanted to get rid of it, but there was a Russian minority who really identified with it. Yeah. So when it was removed, there was rioting by this Russian minority, and um, it caused a lot of... There was generally a lot of looting and trashing the place. Yeah. Um, so... Christina Norman came along a couple of years later um, and reinstalled a fake version of this monument. Yes, a sort of replica. A replica. Yes. Um, which was then removed pretty prompto by police. Yeah. 
and she documented this on the video work and, and showed them. And Is that what you yeah. see? You saw? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the reaction that she got from the police was integral to the artwork. Yeah. You mean if it hadn't had a reaction? In other words, if they just left it, yeah. and it had been ignored and no one had noticed it, yeah. that the, it, the, the work would have been very different. Yeah. So this sort of builds into the argument. It's, it's actually a slightly strange case because, in fact, um, showing this monument may not have actually been against the law. It was just more the yeah. police were overreacting to the situation. Yes. Um, somebody else who does deal more directly with uh, prohibited acts is Tanya Bruguera, who's yep. um, a Cuban artist, quite sort of well-known um, Cuban artist. And she staged all these performances at the uh, Havana Biennial last year. She staged this performance where um, members of the public were allowed to go up on stage and for one minute speak about anything they want. So they had free speech in a country that doesn't have free speech for one minute. People stood on stage and shouted out liberty and all these various slogans yes, like yes. this. It was generally a call for free speech. The reaction of the government was immediately to condemn her acts. And then that became part of her work. Yeah. Um, so generally she's somebody who's who combines that kind of official reaction into her work. Yeah, it's essential by the sound yeah. of it, really. Yeah. How did they actually condemn it? Did they just sort of go on the radio and say something or, or ban the Biennale or...? No, yeah, there was like an official... Oh, I can't remember what the, the name of the term is, but, you know, a diktat or something... Right, right. ...that was issued by the, the cultural ministry... Yeah, yeah. Um, ...condemning it as a, as a Western poison. That was yeah, <laughs> which she immediately added to, added to her work. Exactly, Documents exactly. Documents archive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. Well, that, that, that gives us a, an idea, I, I think, of where, where your article was coming from. Can we try and bring, let's try and bring Gavin as well now? Because, um, Gavin, you, you went to um, Copenhagen, mm -hmm. uh, the Climate Change Summit 2009. Mm -hmm. Got that right? Yes. Yeah. And... Um, there were people like uh, organisations there. Well, there were, no, without me naming them, because I want you to do that. The, the, the <laughs> artists were at that um, whole event, weren't they? And yeah, they were part yeah. of it, whether they be in galleries or whether they be out in the street. And can you just begin to fill in, like, more precisely what what happened? Yeah, I mean, what what I was kind of interested in in that was that um, in recent years, sort of the language that's normally associated with activism and with politics has kind of found itself appearing within art institutions and within artists describing what their work does with you know it changes social relations or it create you know it works you know like relational aesthetic stuff um and i kind of found that that interesting that these two kind of parallel uses of this language on the one hand amongst kind of uh people who are doing, trying to do politics in a creative way and kind of like an artistic kind of politics within social movements um which is one kind of set of groups i talk about in the article um and artists who are using similar kinds of language and and what was interesting in Copenhagen is the the difference between them kind of came to a head. Right. Um, so in December you had the uh, uh, COP15 climate change summit. It's all the you know it's in the papers everywhere. The world leaders are coming to sort out climate change, uh, which they didn't, which was a shame. Um, <laughs> and it also kind of extended into the kind of cultural life of the city. Yeah. Um, that there were lots of exhibitions which were going to be about climate change and about activism around climate change. 
Um, re, the, re, rethink contemporary art and climate change. Yeah, I mean that was one of those. Was one of the, titles, one of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was held across kind of three different gallery spaces um, in the city, so it was a real kind of citywide um, kind of endeavour. And uh, on the other hand, there were lots of people coming um, as artist activists, yeah. um, who then the kind of thing that happened was that they're not normally invited into the art world and some of these galleries started being interested in what they were doing yep. um, and asking them in. Um, so I was interested, for, uh, for example, in the case of uh, the Laboratory of Insurrectionary Imagination who um, had started a project um, in the Arnolfini Gallery in Bristol um, in a week or so before Copenhagen. Um, and the project they were doing it was part of um, an exhibition at the Arnolfini curated by a group called Platform who are based in London, a kind of art activist organisation. Um, the exhibition was called A Hundred Days. And their their project was to kind of integrate with social movements by inventing a new form of civil disobedience. And they looked at how social movements had had very creative approaches to civil disobedience in the past, whether like Italian groups like Yabasta, who kind of cover themselves in foam padding and then bounce off the police and oh, kind, yes, of, yes. kind of negate that uh, kind of violent, non-violent kind of dichotomy that you, you people tend to look at protest in terms of. And that kind of thing. And try and use bicycles because Copenhagen's full of bicycles. Yep. So that would be their medium. So they'd invent some kind of um, way of doing direct action with bicycles. Um, and the interesting thing that happened, that once they got to Copenhagen, well, they, they had a gallery space in Copenhagen, um, which was then uh, asked them not to do anything at the gallery after all because they realised what they were doing was actually going to involve going out on the street and get probably getting arrested and or hit by the police. And that the gallery suddenly became very uncomfortable with that language of activism and of social change involving, you know, involving certain kinds of risks. Do you think they were worried about the legality, like their legal position in relation to it? I mean, as an institution, or ju or just didn't like that as art? Um, you know, do you know what I mean? Was it an aesthetic problem, quote, sort of? I, d I don't know. I think there would have there's, maybe there's a bit of both. Um, yeah. I think uh, the the main problem was probably legality. Yeah. I mean, and it would have been a difficult thing for a gallery to do. To, to kind of support, you know, directly breaking the law, basically, yeah. um, from within their institution. So there was, there that, would have been some kind of... But their actions were non-violent. Oh, of course, I mean, yeah. I mean, in, in, when, in, when I talk about breaking the law, I mean kind of non-violent civil disobedience, that, you know, tradition that comes straight from like, yeah. the civil rights in the 50s in America. So, I mean, the kind of things they did um, were to modify some of the bikes with kind of sound equipment, um, so that they could kind of play a kind of five-part composition as they moved through the crowd. So there was something like a marching band. Sometimes, you know, protests have recently had sound systems, so there was something kind of in between and creative that they were doing to kind of facilitate the the kind of crowd as a protest. Um, some people, you know, they, they kind of stacked bikes together um, and allowed them to carry kind of lots of tea and coffee and food and things. So there was kind of like a facilitation that was going on. At the same time, they blocked some roads as well, so they were quite, yeah. you know, there's a, a direct kind of confrontation happening. Yeah, yeah. Colin, um, um, this is Colin Perry we're talking to, and that was Gavin Grendon. Um, Colin, um, Breguera's practice, I mean, breaking the law, did she did break, didn't she do something with cocaine? Yeah, she did something in, was it, Colombia, I think? She did yeah, um, where distributing she, it yeah, to yeah, people, she, basically. Yeah, she basically, she does these talks, these lectures, kind of performative lectures, and she'd asked the authorities whether she could uh, shoot a gun and then distribute cocaine. And they said, no, 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 that's ridiculous, what are you doing? So she didn't shoot a gun, but she did hand out cocaine. Right. And the, the reports of it, as you can read about it on the internet, there's various bloggers who yes. sort of describe being there and the odd situation of somebody 
testing, you know, somebody brought this these lines of powder out on a big silver tray and yeah. started to sort of hand it out and everybody suddenly realized it was real and <laughs> <laughs> the whole place went a bit mental. Um, and then she was, you know, roundly condemned by the authorities. And also that worked against her in many ways because right. she just became this sensationalist artist rather than somebody who was trying to make a a politicised comment. So she was courting sensationalism, you'd say. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, she sort of overstepped the mark, really, and and her work just became about sensationalism rather than about making a political comment, which is what she thought that it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned it because I think there's, to me, there's some sort of way of us pointing to a difference here between these artists' different approaches. I mean, some of her work would not be, you wouldn't condemn it at all. But some of it you might like you just have questioned it and and then and because it is just sensationalism in a sense whereas the other one is clearly about something trying to make a, ch a change she's not trying to change anything really do you think yes she is so I how think. would you how because yeah. there's a, is there a i mean so therefore is it actually good well it, <laughs> i mean i mean this com <laughs> this comes down to that sort of question of um the efficacy how well how effective can art be in changing things yeah and um, there's also a, a strange sense of whether I don't know how to put that. Um, whether it's any good, really. Whether yeah, sorry, that's whether, whether you find it interesting artwork in well, in, in I mean. terms of I mean. its engagement with debates on art, the history of art, the experience of art as a non-didactic uh, mm. well, experience. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the kind of, yeah, the broader question is like it's it's that horrible. Is it art question? Um, yeah, I didn't quite say that. No, I know you. You tactfully <laughs> kind of moved moved yeah. around actually those particular words, which is good. Um, I d and I think I don't know for, for me. I mean, and people would ask that like at the Arnolfini when they came to s people coming in to see the exhibition, they're like, "Well, is this a workshop or is it an installation or what? What are these people doing with bikes?" Because they actually were making some of the bikes which they were going to take. They were building, yeah, they were building kind of prototypes. Yeah, um, for of what Copenhagen. They would do for Copenhagen in the gallery. Yeah. Um, so as and so it has a kind of. It wasn't a kind of purely visual piece of art that you, you could kind of come in and look at and then go away again. And oh, that there was, was something actually happening. There was a you know there was a thing actually happening. Um, and I don't my my kind of response to that is kind of it's it's not a question of whether it's art but whose art it is. Yes. And so for a lot of these groups, they're very ends directed. They're about yeah. making you know, very concrete forms of change. I mean, the, yeah. a lot of them kind of consider themselves activists who are using art or activists who are doing something who are doing activism in a creative way. So rather than, you might think of, uh, well, maybe that's a, a good way to phrase it, that they're broadening what activism is rather than broadening what art is. Okay. So they're coming from that, that kind so of So activism other side. comes into art. Yeah. Perhaps that's... Or it's, yeah, or it's the... Uh, or I, I kind of tend to think of it as the art of social movements, that yeah. um, you tend to think about banners and marches and processions as kind of the kind of folk art -y kind of forms that social movements are tended to use. But even since the 60s, they've, you know, the people have been doing kind of Happenings, or if you think about reclaim the streets, which are kind of th these weird kind of occupations of space and uses of, you know, color and these carnivalesque performances and things that, that you know th those are artistic forms yeah. um, that haven't st stuck to the kind of uh, the more traditional forms of, of kind of street action. Yeah, I mean the, the main difference to, in, to my mind of basically it's not objects you can sell. You know, it's mm. not it's not your basic product in any way. But then neither is handing out cocaine and <laughs> yeah. to talk. Yeah, I presume. Although obviously documentation of anything can be sold, so and has been. So well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Perhaps I'm being sort of overly um, 
art world about it. But yeah, it's it, it does bother me sometimes when, and maybe it shouldn't do, but when I see activist work that just seems kind of callow or a little bit ignorant about um, the history of that kind of work. Yeah. Um, when it's too mm. ends directed, it can sort of forget that, which if your ends directed, it doesn't really matter anyway. <laughs> no, but, no. But, you know, maybe, which is the maybe, thing, maybe it's my problem that it does. Well, no, yeah. I don't think it, what about yeah. Mark Wallinger? Because if we, we, you did discuss in your piece that the Mark Wallinger Tate um, remaking of the Parliament protest against the war by, I can't remember his name, I've gone blank on the guy. Brian Hawes. Brian Hawes, yeah. yes. Um, that was obviously it's famously not an illegal act it was masquerading as something that was illegal within the um zone of what was it called the uh, uh the exclusion zone the exclusion around zone. Uh, the protest around parliament yeah yeah the one mile so it's exclusion the, the zone. space where you couldn't so protest without permission yeah. around parliament's yeah. Uh, square yeah. yeah yeah so which was just outside i think in effect wasn't it although it was never made clear at the time of the show of the exhibition of the work i think you think you say it was actually just outside of it yeah so he t- he took like so Brian yeah. Hawes kind of protest, uh, uh, not quite an installation, mess uh, <laughs> in, on Parliament Square and put it... And he re- re- remade Did it. he remake it within, yeah. within uh, was it Tate Modern? Or? Yeah. Tate yeah. Britain. Tate Britain. So what I was trying to remember was it was Section 132 of the Serious Organised Crime and Police Act, which was brought in 2005. So this is a specific law where previously it would have been fine to put it in and then... Afterwards, so it's a direct protest against that act, um, but it's it it did feel a little bit like a failure because it wasn't actually transgressing that because, in actual fact, Tate Britain is outside that zone anyway. So, anyway, yeah, so yeah, just you mean if you'd been inside the zone, it would have been interesting to see whether or not it was deemed a, pr- a protest. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I think I, was, mm. I, I imagine that Mark was interested in this thing about whether it was an artwork to be seen as an artwork or. A protest just you know so i mentioned it when i when i did because again it's one of those wriggly wriggles you know how you assess it is is difficult which is why i would say it was probably quite a good work because it's how do you pin it down you know therefore it's it's, but i don't know yeah if you're asking me whether it's a good work i'm not sure i I found it convincing but it's uh, no well that's interesting so you know that, that's what I, I mean. That's what I think is interesting about these these articles is that it, you, you know you are left thinking about all this kind of and as an act, as a maker of art, it's you know as our readers may well be, it's, it it hopefully helps them decide where to place <laughs> themselves. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of interesting as well that there's uh, like the thing that like Wallinger's thing piece does is that there's this play between what public space is for, which is a real concern with the, I mean a lot of the kind of activist art. I've talked about that. That's its, in a lot of times that's its concern. So, um, thinking about like thinking about breaking the law, um, the Space Hijackers, uh, a group from London who were recently uh, not acquitted, but they didn't. They were going to go to court, but the the uh, Crown Prosecution they Service and the police dropped yeah. the case. That's the phrase I'm looking for mm-hmm. um, against them of impersonating police officers because they went to the uh, G20 protest the last summer uh, in a tank which they painted blue. Uh, and was playing, I think, Ride of the Valkyries as, as it arrived. <laughs> um, and they were all kind of dressed in blue boiler suits, and uh, but also kind of stockings and suspenders, so not the most convincing police officers, um, and got out and announced that they were they were there to help the police because the police had been, 
issuing kind of statements saying that they were up for it and ready to deal with it. And it was really mm -hmm. inflammatory statements. So they kind of played on that as a kind of, uh, like, a, I guess, a media-based intervention as well as a kind of performative thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's, I don't know, a contemporary kind of relevant example. Their concern, again, is, I mean, from the name of the space idea, because they're concerned with what you can and can't do and playing yeah. that line using And also, like you say, real space, urban space, this this space that's kind of at stake in a lot of mm. um, these issues is what you can and do, cannot do in those spaces. And I think it's it's really urgent to remember that those are important spaces and not just sort of retreat into the gallery as a, as a protected zone. Mm. And that's what I find interesting about um, activism and these other works that are not quite activism, but yeah, incorporate yeah. elements of it in, into them. I mean, I guess it's this comparative thing of like the law being, like you talk about the law being a medium that you can work with, but I guess for a lot of actors, the street is kind of their medium as well. Like it's yeah. that's, that's what the space you've got to work with. Like, you know, the artist has the white cube that you have to work with an activist. Yeah. Basically starting with the street. So it's kind yeah. of, yeah, that's, you know, that's your as soon as you're medium. The, as soon as you're in the street, then the law begins to apply itself. Yeah. I mean, you, Although it still applies in the gallery. No, yes, it's true. But, but for instance, if you just sit in some places in Trafalgar Square, for instance, mm. you actually can't. You can't sit down and have a picnic mm. in mm. the main area around the fountain, but if you go and sit outside above it, by the National Gallery, you can. And it's just... And so, so those sort of... I mean, it's just law mm. immediately. Yeah, it seems to me as well, like, if you do something in the street, it's almost like you're appealing to a jury of the public, of passers-by. Whereas if you do something in a gallery, you're appealing to the judges, the kind of the elite <laughs> or something like that. You know, it's got this sort of, if you're going to talk about these things in terms of the law and how the law functions. Mm, mm. You, you, Gavin, you, yeah. just to read a quick little bit from your thing, you say, there's a curious dynamic here. At the same time, that activism is being received with unprecedented enthusiasm by liberal art institutions. It is being criminalised and excluded as terrorists by political establishments. Which is... It is. That is true. Really. Yeah. I mean, there's. Yeah. There's. I mean, uh, things like the. Um, oh, was it Netcu, the uh, National Extremism Tactical Coordination Unit, who are um, previously focused kind of on animal rights groups as as kind of domestic extremists, but are now focusing on uh, people who are going to things like the climate camp and who are kind of, uh, you know, because they're they're targeting infrastructure, you know, by protesting outside power stations and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so there's this kind of within kind of more right, those kind of right wing statist institutions there's a kind of closing down on activism and classifying it as terrorist, whereas at the same time within arts institutions, which tend to be more nice and liberal, um, that activism is very it's become quite a fashionable thing in the art world. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's been going on for a while. And like, do, do you sure. think that... Do you say somewhere in, in it that um, it potentially just waters it down and it's kind of... It's appropriating it and it's... Obviously, there's a term greenwash for, 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 yeah, for many institutions. <laughs> it's kind of... Maybe maybe we need an arts equivalent. I don't know. I think it's heart washed. It's, it's, it's double edged. Like there's, yeah. I mean, the, there are senses in which uh, it could could incubate real forms of kind of activism and social change, and that could be really interesting. But that requires a certain amount of bravery on the part of the institutions to take kinds of risks they're probably not having, they've not took before. Um, and because there's lots of kind of artists who aren't engaged with social movements who are doing these kind of things, who yeah, who who you might call. I don't know what the word would be, not greenwash, but there's a kind of, like a simulcrum of kind of activist art, using all of that language, but without necessarily taking those same kind of risks 
um, that a lot of activists, you know, take by by doing the things they do. Yeah, you say one can be as subversive and questioning of social relations as one wishes in a gallery. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think I follow that up with something like that. If you go out and try and do some of the same things in the street, then you you like to find yourself on the wrong end of a police baton. Yes. Um, yeah. Though I think it, though I think it's interesting. There's this uh, from our discussion. There's this kind of parallel of kind of that that questioning of what you can and can't do in a gallery. That very kind of conceptual art kind of thing. That that maybe there are parallels with that in terms of uh, the street and that, that you know activists are trying to find out what you can and can't do in the street and what because I mean that's often well, negotiation of, you uh, have with with the police in a protest is like well how about if I stand here okay what about here okay yeah. I'm going to stand here now which is a is lot it, of artists will do sense, stuff similar. out in the street and then represent it in the gallery though mm. so it's not black and white in that sense yeah it has yeah. a sort of imported kind of aspect to it where it's yeah somebody films themselves I think was it even Modoff who sort of in impersonated policemen in um, Vienna in Austria uh -huh. and was directing them blah, 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 but he was dressed in his the police uniform of his country which is Bulgaria so he's right. so he was you know he had police uniform that had sort of Cyrillic writing and stuff and but it was like a comment on the Austrians um, conformity to, to the law uh, but he was uh, arrested by the police for that, and that forms part of his documentation of his work, which was presented in the gallery. So, yeah, yeah, yeah and, there's, and there's this interesting question around documentation of, of the, a lot of the practices, uh, the ones that I've talked about, for example, in the article, have a certain kind of invisibility uh, in terms of in terms of art history, in terms of art, different kinds of art institutions. Um, so that you know they're doing things which are art, but they don't tend to get documented in the same kind of ways. They tend to have kind of the narrative documentation of, of history books or of people who are concerned with activism. Um, and that there's, that there's kind of an interesting function for the gallery there that it can, you know, it, the, the I mean, what I've said probably sounds quite anti-gallery, but, <laughs> there, you know, there's an important function of, of telling stories and of historicizing things mm -hmm. that, you know, that's a radical thing that a gallery can do. Yeah. Um, that I think, you know, I think is important and valuable. Which might not be... Um, recorded at all otherwise yeah which might you know things that can just yeah, disappear yeah. that are very ephemeral the other thing that's quite interesting i think is that, that, that a lot of these are they're not about the individual artist so there's no name of the artist it's the group and it's a collaboration mm. and and that's quite a and it's just in itself is is against a lot of what the art world tends to you know support because we all talk about artists by name and individually there are collaborations but even then they're named so it's quite nice to you know bike block I don't know who bike block is, but it's I know what it is, but mm. I don't know who it is. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's and it's, again, it's a it's the, a lot of um, I think most of these things are done under collective names, um, and, and there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, there's there's partly an issue of if you're if you're doing illegal things, then yes. it's, it's good not don't to put your name. <laughs> not to put your name to it. Um, but also, but the, they are you know they're really collective efforts, and they're about different kinds of labour that are being done in different directions by different people. So. It, they, they, you know, they just don't gel with that, uh, that formal kind of that mode of production that art has. Yeah. I've, tried, I've tried to avoid Marxist language all the way along. Oh. And failed at the last hurdle. Good. But like their mode of production is very different to that of institutional art. Well, guys, that's great. Thanks ever so much for coming in, um, Colin Perry and Gavin Grindon. We've been talking about art and activism, art and the law. Certainly trying to anyway. It's a complicated project, but. Hopefully you'll come back and listen to us all again on Art Monthly's programme on Resonance 104.4 FM.